You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grala, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, everybody, and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I am your host, Ian Lamberson. With me, as always, is my friend, my colleague, the man who built his first Expectacles model out of Legos when he was six years old. It's Harrison Crow. Hi. Hi, Harrison. <laughs> and we are very lucky to have another guest with us tonight, a man who is uh, another one of my colleagues. I think technically my boss maybe in American Soccer Analysis. I'm pretty sure he could fire me, uh, but he's here. It's Drew Olson. Say hi, Drew. Hey guys, it's great to be on here. Um, one of the reasons you're on here is to make sure we don't talk about Seattle more than 45 seconds, because uh, I know you hate that. Uh, we are, last week, if you listened last week, uh, we did an Eastern Conference, or Eastern Conference preview, uh, me and Harrison, and uh, this week we're going to continue uh, with the Western Conference, and um, <laughs> you know we are getting down into our countdown until kickoff, uh, I believe it's nine days from the time of recording. And we've already had some CCL action, so uh, get excited, folks! It's 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 right here among us. And uh, what a what a let's start at the bottom of the league last year. And something I never thought I would say, uh, if you would if you would ask me before last season, uh, that was the Los Angeles Galaxy. Um, last season has to be a bit of an outlier, right? Yeah, it was a big outlier. <laughs> yeah, no. It- well i mean let's 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 even talk about that right uh from the outlier everything that could have gone wrong a lot of times we kind of look at things from what is the median what is kind of the the most probabilistic uh perspective that we can maintain for a team and i feel like they hit the bottom of every single one of those uh situations right none of their you know quote-unquote young players got uh, really were, became difference makers, let alone even starters. Every single one of the their moves basically kind of crumbled out from underneath them. Alessandrini was probably the best thing to happen to the team, but even of himself, he couldn't basically raise them above where they really were, which was a bad team um, with an aging core and a defense that just ended up not being very good. All right, so let's look at what happened uh, for them this offseason. And by my count, uh, they did about 600 transactions. Uh, they got rid of basically 60% of their team. Uh, they brought in Jorgen Schelvik, Rolf Fulcher, Perry Kitchen, David Bingham, Servando Carrasco, Brian Silvest, Emran Kilmenta, Thomas Hilliard Arce, Ola Kamara, and Chris Pontius. And uh, all that's a lot. Uh, and yet the rumor still hola, persists. Hola, hola. <laughs> exactly, Ola Kamara, uh, and the rumors still persist about one's Latin Ibrahimovic. Uh, Drew, uh, is this uh, was this a good batch of signings? Yeah, I think it was. Um, I think Ola Kamara is. You know, we we've talked about him a million times and written about him a lot on AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com, favorite website. And uh, you know, he's <laughs> been in the top three of expected goals the last three season. 
Um, obviously, this is probably going to be a little different style of play than uh, what they had set up in Columbus, but um, I definitely think that's a huge pickup. Uh, Perry Kitchen should help a little bit, hopefully fill the role that Gerald Pedro was supposed to play last season. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they've got Pontius, Boateng still going to be there. Hopefully Leckett uh, is able to uh, play early in the season. Um, so they've added, I think they've added both increased talent and added some depth that they didn't have last year. Um, but I think uh, should, I mean, at least on paper, I think they're at least a playoff team. But. So we've got all these signings and then, you know, it's kind of begs the question. And I know that there's a huge caveat to this and that's the Zlatan. So Los Angeles rumors have been going on since olden times, like in King Tutankhamun's tomb, one of the translated hieroglyphics was like Zlatan to LA question mark. Uh, but it still persists. It's still going on. Uh, do you do you need that guy with Ola Kamara here? I don't think you need him to be there. But I mean, the reality is he's probably analogous to what uh, Drogba was to Montreal, to where he's going to uh, spot start and then play probably 30 minutes off the bench here and there. Why wouldn't you do that? I mean, he he's probably one of the most enigmatic uh, people in all of soccer uh, sports period uh, up there with Beckham. And then on top of that, he's also one of the best strikers, not like put it in like a conditional eyes. No, he's still one of the best two years ago with, uh, or a year and a half ago, year and a half ago, nine months ago. I mean, he was really good. I mean, you look at his expected goals for uh, Manchester United. It, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And basically all he did was exactly what Ola Kamara does now. So, uh, on, and then he adds some of that uh, possession base, that really skill based passing. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, a lot of flair, a lot of flair. But at the same time, it's not just well. I, I suppose some of the flair is is just uh, wonderful to watch, and it's it's part of his uh, brand. But at the same time, it's stuff that adds purpose onto the field. So, well, and and, and I mean, the, the reason he's lots on is obviously he's you know an elite striker, but you sign him for the off uh, you know off the field reasons as much as anything, right? And that's that's why he's going to the galaxy, you know. Yeah, I mean, especially with LAFC coming, I think... Uh, stars! <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I think that this is as much an on-the-field as off-the-field thing. But uh been pretty quiet on that front lately, so we'll just kind of have to see how that progresses. Um, nope. Moving on from LA, uh, we are next going to talk about a team that we actually just got to see in action the other night for the first time, uh, and that is a new-look Colorado Rapids. Uh, I thought they looked okay against Toronto. Uh, they, they didn't win in the end. Uh, they seemed to kind of run out of gas around like minute 50 and that was about it for That's them. what happens when you don't make any subs. Yeah, that was a little strange to me. Um, I was wondering, uh, for those, I think I think you both watched the match, did you see anything that stood out to you uh, that says this is a significantly different team this year than it was last year? Uh, you know, they got this new manager uh, who runs out the kind of 5-3-2 or 3-5-2, whatever you want to call it, uh, and they've you know, the wing backs that um, I think are definitely going to be a bit of a different look um, uh, than Colorado has had in the past. So, 
Yeah, no, I was actually going to say something along the same lines, right? Uh, so not only are they got the new formation, but you can see that they're much busier in uh, zone 14. At least they were in the first half. They made almost the same amount of passes, actually more passes in zone 14, which is just like right in front of the 18-yard box. Uh, they did in the first half against one of the best teams in MLS, uh, as they did the first half or the entire game against New England in their first game last year, if that at all was coherent. Um, which just means that they were already busier. They're already a little bit more front uh, foot with things. Uh, so, and that was at negative what sixteen degrees. <laughs> so, there are lots of lots of really uh, at least positive signs. Uh, it, and for me, honestly, the biggest the biggest signs for this organization wasn't anybody that was on the field. Um, you know, you hire, you basically permanently put Patrick Smith in the executive pre- vice president general manager spot. They hired Fran Taylor into the assistant general manager spot, who is formerly the uh, vice president of analytics uh, application at Sat DNA, and then hired Anna Patel as the director of player personnel, who was internet, who was basically working outside of soccer in business analytics with uh, legal international taxation. So it's really interesting that that they are all going business uh, analytics and oriented uh, in their front office. So if they need uh, to hire any like official podcasters, then you should give us a call at Colorado Rapids. Um, I think that definitely the the thing that we saw, and I want to point out that that again, as you said, this was a a, a rather unique kind of match in that uh, the temperature was, was astonishingly low. Um, And, you know, one of the, one of the evils of CCL is where it comes in the season. Uh, But overall, I think that what we saw was, um, yeah, just a much better team all around. Uh, the one question that still kind of lingers for me uh, is is what what what's going on? like is wh- where's where's Gelshengashi? Is it does he have still have a place on this team? I, you think? I think he does. I mean, he only paid, played a thousand minutes or so last season. Um, obviously, two years ago he was far more productive and got a lot more time. Um, it, you know, he's going to need to be able to stay on the field. Um, but, you know, if he can find half the form I think he had two years ago and, you know, they're, this is a better team. I mean, I guess we're going to get used to saying that because the whole conference is better. But um, it, it does seem like there's more pieces around him that, that will help him. So, um, you know, I think the major issue is just staying on the field. All right. Moving on to uh, Minnesota. Guys, I love the loons. You know this about me. Um Give it to me straight. Have they done enough nope. in this offseason to be competitive this year? No. Oh. <laughs> Look, Christian Ramirez, I mean, he's he's a fantastic striker, but the question is how many minutes is he really going to get? Uh, yeah, he crossed the 2,000 plane, but already uh, we haven't seen very much of a, from him uh, out of the preseason. Uh, Danilotti has been the the striker of choice up top. Uh, which is, you know, uh, they're they're trying to get him minutes too, and then of course you got Mason Toy uh, right behind him. So I mean, they're fl- not only are they flush with on the wings, but they're also flush with attacking options, and that makes it really hard for you know these guys that are kind of stepping up, all deserving of minutes. And meanwhile, the really the place that they need to be to build depth um, in in the ten role, in the six role, in the everything roll in the back uh, <laughs> they seem to be missing all, all sorts of pieces. And it's, it's very confusing why they can't match up with some of these teams that uh, do 
have those pieces in, in spades and they can't uh, swap resources of some kind to, to start filling those gaps or they choose not to go in that you, route. Are you trying to tell me Simon Dawkins isn't going to be a difference maker? I, I think Simon Dawkins is an interesting signing because his profile statistically and just like looking at, you know, his touch, how many touches he gets, looking at how he uh, likes to attack, he kind of profiles as a fullback. Uh, which is kind of interesting. I, he's, I don't, I haven't, I looked, I didn't see any record of him in the championship or uh, even going back to San Jose, but obviously with ties uh, to the organization now, um, they're, they're going to use him somehow. It'll be kind of interesting how, but uh, that's what, ha- that's how Harrison Crow would deploy him is to try to fill that, uh, that left back position. That's kind of how I would do it. <laughs> Drew, would you uh, would you send Simon Dawkins down to uh, to left back? Uh, I would send Simon Dawkins probably to a team outside of MLS. Um, yeah. I, you know, I I, I, I I I'll be surprised if he plays that many minutes this year. Um, I, I I don't know how much they're paying him, but uh, I, I don't think he's gonna. I mean, he's definitely brought in as a depth piece. Uh, was, I mean, one guy that um, I do want to point out is Gibson, who you wrote about extensively in your preview on americansoccernalysis.com everybody should read that website um which uh where you know he, he just carried such a big load and he's what 35 36 or something and yeah he's turned 35 this yeah year. i mean he's older than me so you know he's old uh but but you know he led the team in defensive actions and touch percentage and expected build up um he played like a million minutes and was arguably their best player in the second half of the season um which is amazing if you can keep that up, but it's hard to imagine that'll be possible at this age. So, I mean, I guess they signed some dude from uh, Brazil uh, today, but that seems like he may play a similar role, but we'll, we'll see. All right. So it might be another year of waiting on MLS Cup glory for Minnesota. Uh, what about our next guys, Real Salt Lake? Uh, my quick take on this team is that I look at this team and see a team that in a year or two is going to be an incredible uh, Major League Soccer team if they can keep it together. I, I think that that's, that's mostly true, but the, the other side of the coin is very much in the same boat as what uh, LA Galaxy just experienced, right? You have to grow your youth. Your youth has to play a prominent role in that the depth has to work out because you're going to have injuries. The season's long, especially in MLS, it's long. So your youth has to step up, right? They're going to have to get Brooks Lennon to be uh, a substantial piece. And to be perfectly honest, he had some good games, but he went missing a lot. And so that that needs to be filled. Uh, Danilo Acosta ha- has got to just put his stamp on that left back position. Justin Glad has to step up and be um, an MLS all-star. If these guys are going to make that transition from uh, possible outside looking in uh, playoff hopeful to being in the top tier of the Western Conference, which is, uh, to be perfectly honest, in my opinion right now, it's a huge jump. And I think that their youth has to play a part in that. It can. It certainly can. I'm not saying it can't. Uh, I think they're a really exciting team, a really interesting team, but there's a lot of volatility there. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just build on that point, which is, you know, they they, they seem to have the potential. Um, you know, Joao Plata was fifth uh, in MLS and expected goals plus expected assists last season, um, but he only created 11. So, you know, it might be time, you know, this is, he's a guy who's going to meet you with his speed, but 
was he just super unlucky last year or does he create chances that he can't finish? Um, so, you know, this seems like the season when they've got this new striker or Tunio who maybe can help Plata with the offense a little bit. Um, but, you know, those pieces coming together and back and then, um, you know, they have to turn turn uh, expected results into actual results. Boom. Nailed it. That might just be the tagline for this podcast uh, going forward. Um, yeah, I uh, agree with all of you on that. I, I do think that it's going to be an interesting season. And um, I know a lot of people are extremely high on Real Salt Lake this year. And I think that there is definitely like a lot of – there are a lot of reasons to be hyped. There are a lot of reasons to have that hype going on. But um, I, I would just urge a, a bit of caution. I do think I agree with Harrison that there's, there's just maybe a little bit more maturation needs to occur there before they're really ready to kind of – um, you know, make this ascent on the uh, the more perennial, uh, uh, you know, favorites of the Western Conference. Um, so uh, a team that uh, looking good for the future. Uh, we have another team that had one of their, well, I don't even know off the top of my head. I assume it was probably their worst season maybe ever last year. Um, and that is, of course, FC Dallas, who um, really, uh, I don't think I've ever seen wheels so comprehensively fall off a wagon um in my entire life uh it was it was astonishing to watch that uh, that team kind of collapse um and so i'm i'm wondering if you guys have any thoughts on what caused that and is that something that can be fixed this season yeah i mean okay so the first thing that's first is they have to kind of hopefully have a static core spine that is healthy that maintains throughout the year that they're not having to kind of chop up and that's kind of tough right you're probably going to lose one or two players but honestly they they have to maintain some type of consistency there and that's what's really caused the the disarray and the chaos within their uh within their starting 11 over the last and how they're going to create opportunities they've been a really good defensive team i i think that the inconsistency's really been on the attack and i think with that it's it's really how they're going to create those opportunities whether that's through barrios whether that's through uh mario diaz it, 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 there has to be some sort of uh, coherent thought going forward that's consistent and i think you know there's obviously there appeared and I, I don't know have insight directly into that locker room but you can tell just from the outside that there are some issues uh possibly with that team and it's very interesting that they really didn't change up that roster uh, considering all those problems so it, it's going to be really it's going to be yeah. kind of a kind of a fun test to see what comes out of it uh Kellen Acosta, I guess, is out for four to six weeks. Uh, he had her- sports hernia surgery, which, you know, Drew can speak because he's actually had it. Uh, but I, I believe that's actually kind of a good thing. And, and I know that sounds you don't want to lose a player of Kellen Acosta's uh, ability, but I think that he kind of got preferential treatment, even though there's better players on this roster. And I think that kind of costs them at certain points. And people probably don't want to hear that, uh, especially with the, the hashtag player young kids uh, going on and the the fight to see more happen i mean we saw uh one of the articles out there to, uh, that was published today thursday about how tam is kind of ruining uh the young domestic player but at the same time victor Yola, uh, uh carlos garizo um, these are players that probably are better f- suited 
over Acosta right now. Um, there, there might even be a couple others. And, and so it's, it's kind of, for me, it kind of gives them an opportunity to cement themselves when really they should be there already. I couldn't disagree with you more about the fact that, uh, it's good that he uh, got a sports hernia surgery because, you know, you never want a knife around your groin area. That's, it's a fair that's point. Some, it's a fair something point. I've learned <laughs> in my years. Um, <laughs> as far as the team goes, uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, well, they got this guy, Mosquera, who, suppose, you know, they've been building up as he's going to play like uh, Fabian Castillo did. I'm um, going to streak down the wing. So it'll be interesting to see how, how he fills in. Um, you know, people kind of for, have forgotten that even when Dallas was really good near the top of the Western conference last year, before they went on that Epic slide, there are only two real additions last year. Come on, and llama. And both of them kind of stunk it up last year, even when the team was yeah. good. Um, so, you know, that's for a team that is, you know, so well renowned for their homegrown and like their talent development, they don't seem to be great at identifying outside talent. Um, so it'll be interesting if they can get back on track with, with Mosquera. I, I do want to interject and just say and point out Coleman had like 1000 minutes and within those thousand minutes had very interesting underlying numbers. Just throwing that out there. Just Harrison just throwing, doing his thing. I but I know he's not, out. I know he's not hot. Right. I just want to point out that one time he kicked the goalpost and fell down. Um, <laughs> he, did, he did have half an expected goal per game, which was best on or per 96 minutes, which is best on the team. So. Interesting. Um, uh, one of the things I thought was an interesting uh, move, and one I definitely did not see coming, uh, I think that Zimmerman, uh, for being honest, probably didn't have his best year uh, in an FC Dallas jersey, but uh, I did not expect to see that kid moved. So I, I really felt like he had kind of been earmarked as a, as a big part of that young core going forward. Yeah, and what's kind of strange is Dallas, it almost felt like every, I felt like I was the only one that didn't know this. And I'm glad to hear that from your perspective, because I, I had the same feeling. <laughs> Me too. And then everybody just kind of, it, he moved on and everybody was like, all right, deuces, you know, thanks. You know, not I don't think there was any type of ill will being had, but at the same time, it just seemed very calm. And maybe it's just I'm so far removed from the Dallas fan base. You know, obviously, we know people that could give us a better insight uh, between Jason and, you know, Phil. But I, I, I'm sure that was that that was my initial reaction was I felt left out of the loop. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing to add to that. It just uh, aside from the fact that it looks like uh, Ziegler is going to fill in there center back, which is another European signing, which kind of gets back to my last point, which is hopefully he's good. Yeah, because they don't want to, you mess that up and that's going to be a rough year for you. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to um, another team who uh, made a lot of signings, uh, and that is the San Jose Earthquakes. This was a team last year, um, which I once publicly, uh, very publicly uh, uh, proclaimed had a lot of talent in it and um, many members of our community disagree with me very, very strongly on that point. Uh, but they did make the playoffs. Uh, and I think that this was a team obviously that really benefited a lot from a, a substandard Western conference, something that we don't saw a lot of teams down that aren't usually down. Um, now they've gone and they've brought in, you know, a few new faces, some of which are, uh, you know, uh, uh Guys like Magnus Eriksson, who, who's going to be an attacking presence on that thing. Uh, Joel Quiberg, uh, Luis Philippe, uh, some young guys. Uh, 
have they done enough to like, are, are, are they going to stick around in this playoff race this year or, or we're going to see them kind of regress back to maybe where they, 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 they usually would be. I think, uh, I, well, so a lot has been made of, you know, their terrible goal differential. Was it 22, negative 21 or something like that? Um, yeah. Uh, which is obviously terrible, and I think the worst ever for a team that made the playoffs. But actually, their underlying expected goal data um, isn't isn't that bad. Uh, they were negative two expected goal differential for last season. So, and there's some other underlying stats that suggest that maybe they weren't as bad as that goal differential made it seem. Um, which which is a you know obviously doesn't mean they're good if they had a negative two expected goal differential, but. Uh, it means they're about an average MLS team, which it turns out is where they finished. Um, they've added a couple of pieces. Uh, this Erickson guy seems interesting. Uh, they definitely have some talent. They got Quincy time who's healthy again. Uh, and uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they come back with. I mean, this is a team that always seems to, you know, they'll win the supporter shield and then come back and be terrible. And then they'll be back as a playoff team. You know, they just seem to take big swings. Um, and obviously the departure of, um, Dominic Kinnear is a whole other story, but. Well, and I think that that's a great point, right? Is this isn't just a whole, this isn't just like kind of replacing like for like, right? Dominic Kinnear kind of came in and was just kind of exactly like Frank Kloppus and, and there wasn't a lot of change. And now it feels very much like San Jose is going in a, in a brand new direction, not just, um, not just on the field, but organizationally, they've just made holistic changes that, I think is is kind of interesting, and I think that they're approaching their team v- from kind of a fresh angle. And I really liked. I I thought they were a really enjoyable team last year. I got to I spent a good part of the spring in San Jose just due to my work, and I got to see quite a few games. And they were never. I shouldn't say they were never. At multiple times, they we're down and instead of just kind of we're going to play for a draw or maybe we'll get we'll pull one back late this was uh hey we're down by two well who cares if we lose by five you know we're, we're down by two we need to pull goals back so we're just going to throw everything at the opposing team and sometimes it worked out wonderfully and other times it just was a train wreck but that was kind of the beauty of it was that there was just this this let's go for it. Let, we got pieces. Go for it. And I think this year they're going to go as far as their top level talent will take them. What as far as Mangus Erickson will take them. As far as Chris Wondolowski will take them. Um, Valeri has to step up. He, he was Tommy kind Thompson. of honestly. I thought that Tommy Thompson. Well, Tommy Thompson has to make the field. Uh, you know, he's he's a really great you know skills player, but can he actually be a difference maker on the field? I mean, last year he scored his first goal yeah. slash first assist, and you know, yeah, he has only a thousand minutes, but in those thousand minutes, how many shots did he create? You know, I think it's like under ten. So it's not like a he's not creating chance after chance. All these skills aren't actually showing anything out there. Uh, right now that uh, that small sample size doesn't have a lot of underlying numbers to it so yeah i I think that they i think their top level talent needs to step up and with it you'll see that organization make that uh, progressive step into the playoff discussion i have what what do you guys think the it hasn't really been talked about a ton but uh urena leaving or getting picked uh, by lafc in the expansion draft um i feel like people haven't really been talking about that because you know you got wando you got danny hosen uh, Heike, but Urena was, but, uh, 
first in the team in expected goals per assist per 96 uh, last season. And I feel like his departure, you know, he didn't play a ton of minutes, but I feel like that has kind of been overlooked to a certain extent. I was a little surprised to see him available in that draft, honestly. Yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, he didn't make a lot of headlines or anything like that, but I think quietly he was like the main guy that was kind of, you know, driving that team forward a lot. Um, and definitely was a good pick yeah. for LAFC, especially like just to, to get that off an expansion draft. Um, and yeah, I think that, 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 that sort of is a signifier that they really um, have a lot of faith in, in, in Danny Hoston um, to kind of be that guy uh, that's not Wondolowski, which they're, it's been a rotating position for a long time. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do think that they're, they're going to miss Arena maybe at first. Uh, but if Hoston can kind of put together some of what we saw flashes of uh, last year, um, you know, we, we they might look smart after all. Um, let us move on to our next team, uh, that is Sporting Kansas City. Um, so last year, obviously, Sporting Kansas City, incredible defensively, uh, one of the best we've seen in a while. Um, that entire defense is coming back, uh, but they sort of fell off the um pace a little bit towards um you know, the later parts of the year and uh, kind of underperforming a little bit on offense. And I wonder if they've done enough in this off season uh, to kind of carry them up to make them competitive again. I mean, that's probably, it, it's a matter of opinion and a matter of trust, right? Uh, I think part of that is they have a lot of faith in a couple of their young attackers, you know, Diego uh, Rubio, um, they, they're, basically saying these are our guys we brought them in for a reason um we're sticking with them and that's a really bold statement that i think for uh you know peter vermees to to make but at the same time it's not as if they haven't done other things right they they basically overhauled their entire midfield uh with felipe gutierrez uh they, they brought in a co- uh, another individual uh from overseas that escapes me the Roger Espinoza is kind of on his final legs. He didn't look really strong in that second half. Obviously, Benny Fellhaber was kind of on his way out the door. So it, it didn't surprise me at all that the the pieces that they made were uh, relative to kind of where they're at. And they're sitting on mountains of allocation dollars. Uh, it, they could very quickly become mm-hmm. a very... Um, a very deep team should they get to should they win a CCL uh, spot next for next season you know Johnny Russell uh, Drusso Fernandez both are exciting uh, run downhill attackers um, so out wide so it's it's going to be really interesting how this team uh, how this team generates shots uh, and opportunities on goal relative to last year because it, it does it does have to step up as you pointed out yeah, I'm a little worried about the attack. Um, I mean, Dom Dwyer, we know who he is. Uh, it seems like early signs are that Kyrie Shelton is going to be the starting striker, even ahead of Rubio, um, which uh, Kyrie Shelton you know, has a lot of potential, but he's hardly played at all and is certainly no Dom Dwyer. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this is a back line, like, like you said. I mean... They have Tim Melia, who had the best um, 
goalkeeper numbers for expected goals in our data set back to 11, 2011. Um, so, you know, they don't, they won't need to score as many goals as some teams, but I'm still, I, I'm with you. I think I'm a little worried that they're just not going to be able to produce up top. Uh, but I'm yes. actually kind of excited to totally. see Kyrie Shelton in a position where he might get regular minutes. Um, I haven't looked at his underlying numbers in a while, but, um, uh, you know, for those minutes, they struck me as not bad. And, you know, the brief times we got to see him on the field for NYCFC, and I mean, when you're, you know, starting behind David Villa, you know, you're, you're going to not see the field much. Um, I, I thought there was something there. Uh, Harrison, it sounds like you've probably looked into that too. Yeah, no, I, he has really, he, I wouldn't say really good, but they're, they're interesting, right? The expected goal numbers are there at least just on the peripheral. And, and I think that, um, I think what he needs is more time. And he's really similar to how Peter Vermees has liked his attackers in the past, not just in Dom Dwyer, but physical guys that can hold the ball up top and ha- are good passers, right? They take advantage of the shots and the opportunities. And we know with being in uh, Patrick Vieira's uh, attack, he's going to run and he's going to do a lot of a lot of tracking, which again, another Peter Vermees thing. So um, I, I think that it's it was I think it was a perfect pickup. I've liked it a lot. Um, I'm very interested to see how he does uh, relative to and, and my line of thinking, honestly, is uh, he's very similar to Kai Kamara and uh, kind of not necessarily in how he generates his his. Uh, his shots, but the way that he kind of roams out wide, the way that he's kind of a bigger figure, but can play on the ground. Um, so to me, I'm really excited to see him get a shot because honestly, I think that SKC has a lot of young uh, attackers and I think they're going to all get substantial chances to, to try to make the mark. All right, let us go see our next team here is a team that was a bit of a surprise uh, for everyone last season. Uh, Two years ago, uh, the worst team in the West, maybe, I think. Certainly thereabouts. Last year, Western Conference finalists, uh, the Houston Dynamo. Uh, we talked, me and you, Harrison, a couple weeks ago um, about something they needed to do in this offseason. And the most important thing that they could do was to get rid of Kubo Torres. They did that. And I think that... Um, that certainly uh, it was a great contract to shed. Um, but now something that, that you pointed out, Drew, uh, was that they might be a little thin at Ford, right? Yeah. Uh, they literally, on their on the team website, there are three forwards listed on the team. Uh, Mauro Minotas, Ramel Kyoto, and Albert Elise. Uh, all of those guys are obviously starters. Um, so it's, it's hard to say, like, who – I mean, they're – there's no own like for like backups. Um, you know, they, they brought in um, Alvarez uh, from Chicago, who it sounds like maybe is going to play a little bit of that late game sub role that Vincente Sanchez did last year. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, they lost, <laughs> they lost their top, uh, top two guys in terms of expected goals and expected assists and Alex and Kubo Torres. So they haven't really brought anyone else to fill those roles. So, um, you know, maybe they're going to sign someone before the season starts, but uh, they're looking a little thin. They're, they were a shallow team before, and they're even more shallow now. I think a lot of this is going to kind of come down to, uh, well, that midfield, I think, uh, especially is going to, I don't think we saw Tomas Martinez at anywhere near his optimal level uh, last season. And I think that there was obviously, you know, he's a younger player. Uh, there was He kind of came into like a, 
you know, like a, a, a almost a title race of sorts. And, um, you know, there, there was a settling period that this didn't fully occur with him, I think. Um, uh, you know, obviously the, the loss of Alex is going to be something that is very hard to replace. Um, and they went and got uh, Saren from San Jose, who is someone that has, uh, I think, is also a guy that's all in, in Major League Soccer so far has, has yet to find his home. And, and maybe this Houston team is it. A couple of things that I want to point out as far as on the attack, uh, you do, they do have Andrew Winger and, you know, people I think will probably scoff a little bit about that because, let, let, I mean, let, let's face it, he's had some uh, probably uh, some bad highlights, uh, if I'm being kind. <laughs> uh, there, there's memorable things uh, that we know him from, but they're not memorable for positive reasons. But if we might shed what uh, is easily recalled and, and look strictly kind of ob- objectively, he's an interesting player. And I think that he's a great depth piece for what they have. Additionally, they also still have uh, Mimo R- Rodriguez, who is a young player that... Uh, uh, you know, Oscar has, you know, dealt with down at, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Rancho. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 RGV. RGV. There, Rio, Rio Grande. Rio Grande My goodness. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to butcher that. But yeah, uh, yeah. so I, I know that he's made reference to him before, at, at least um on some of the different um, news articles he spoke to as somebody that they're interested in. He's a wide midfielder. I, I can play a little bit underneath the striker. Kind of wonder if he might not feature out at the winger spot. And I think that, that might be a, a spot that with his possession skills might kind of uh, be a little bit interesting as far as finding some minutes for him. Maybe not early on, but as the season progresses, that might be something uh, that they have. Uh, Tomas Martinez this is going to be a team that I think made a step forward defensively last year and might make another step, especially with getting AJ De La Garza back uh, in a more, uh, more than the minutes that he had last year, hopefully. Yeah. And they brought in a new guy, Fun Mayor, who um, I'm going to admit, I don't know a ton about, but there weren't a ton of spots there that, 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 that couldn't, you know, be upgraded. Um, the thing I think most Houston fans should be excited for, and it's the thing I'm most excited for, and um, I'm going to assume, you know, since we're all basically in agreement on every issue in soccer, or in agreement with me on. Uh, I disagree with is, you on that. I knew it. I knew it. Uh, no, uh, it's uh, Marma Notas is going to be the presumptive guy up top from day one, and we're hopefully going to see many, many minutes of this kid. I'm really surprised. That, like, I've, I've actually seen a couple articles. It's like, well, what if he's not as good? As he is off the bench, that's crazy. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't agree with that with with, with that take at all. <laughs> well, and and actually, if you if you strip penalties, which Kubo had like three or four, um, uh, five, five, sure. Uh, then uh, Minotas was actually the highest in expected goals on the team last season. So um, he's good, and I, I, I mean, I, I think there's every reason to believe that he's going to continue to be good. Agreed. And I'm an expert. All right. That's true. <laughs> Let's plug uh, Drew's season preview of the Houston Dynamo on AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. Uh, all right. Finally, we're here, guys. Let's talk Cascadia. Um, our next team is the Vancouver Whitecaps. And this is a team with trade rumors swirling around one Tim Parker that uh, lost a ton of players in this offseason season. 
uh, but brought in some very, very interesting ones. And um, most notably, um, Kai Kamara. Kai Kamara is, believe it or not, and this is something that, that I noticed when I saw uh, a lot of articles talking about how Wondolowski is going for the all-time Major League Soccer goal-scoring record. And I was wondering, like, oh, I wonder who's behind Chris Wondolowski next. And it's Kai Kamara, uh, 98 goals in Major League Soccer. Um, you know, uh, it, coming from his, like, amazing season in 2015, uh, uh, you know, with Columbus, it looked like maybe he disappointed a little bit in 2016, 2017 with New England. But honestly, it wasn't that bad. Um he likes to kind of get the service from, from, from out wide. He likes to like be aerial and dominant in the air. And I, I do you think that he's going to be a good fit for this Vancouver team? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, look, look uh, one of the, I won't say the top, but they were up there in terms of their crosses per, per, uh, per possession. It was insanely high. It's, it's one of their primary methodologies of attacking. And it'll kind of be interesting to see how they go forward without some of their options that they had last year and how they're kind of reshaping their attack. Obviously, um, losing a couple of midfielders, replacing them, uh, going to a five back. At least that's kind of the rumor uh, that I've been seeing. And if they do replace, uh, d- decide to shed Tim Parker uh, in lieu of another uh, resource of some kind, whether that be allocation or another player, um, I'm really confused as to uh, the depth that they have defensively. I don't know what this team is going to look like. I, I, I just straight up, I don't know. Yeah, I'll echo what Harrison said. I think Kai should work out, um, and and obviously Vancouver is a team that does send a lot of crosses in. The one caveat I would give there is that um, Christian Teixeira, I think, led the team in crosses, and if you look at our expected passing metrics on American Soccer Analysis, um, he's basically below average <laughs> in every way, um, every, every third of the field. Um, he's completes a lower rate. Um, than average uh, than expected so that is a little worrying it seems like and and you know i think i, I assume he's the presumed starter now um because it doesn't look like they brought anyone else to replace him so i, I think he's going to be relied on to create a lot of the goals i mean he was second behind montero last year um and goals created um so I think a lot of the offense is going to be going through Teixeira, and he's such a crappy passer that I think that's the only reason that they might falter a little bit in the offense. All right, but counterpoint to this, and I found this interesting. Uh, someone brought this up the other day. I, I don't know if you were there. Um, guy who led the league and headed goals last season was Freddie Montero. So something was working. Um, and I think uh, Kai is definitely a more... Uh, all credit to Freddie Montero, who's for his size is, is wonderful He's in the garbage. air. Uh, I think Kai Kamara's a... <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we agree on everything. Uh, Kai Kamara, you know, might might be a little bit better there. So that's definitely interesting. Um, uh, especially uh, this say I'm actually a little bit surprised to see a guy like uh, Bolaños kind of be declined. Uh, let go. I, I thought he showed a lot of flashes. Um, you know, this is another situation where. Uh, a guy like David Ustad's gone. And, you know, this was, I think he, he had obviously kind of lost his job by the end of the season last year, but for so long was their guy. They're kind of like their, their rock in the back, their shot stopper. Um, so there is going to be an interesting kind of period of adjustment. Um, but do you think this was a team that like overachieved last year? 
I, you know, it's a hard, it's kind of hard to say because at times they were really good. Freddie Montero was really good. And for the fact that he got zero support, uh, Jordi Reina got, uh, very little time early on, uh, to, there's so many different pieces. This defense was great. The defense was phenomenal between Tim Parker and Kendall Austin and Osted early on in the season. Uh, they didn't have to do a lot on the attack. So I think that's that's part of why some te- people might kind of say tongue in cheek that they that they overachieved. I don't think they're going to put up the same results. And I think that if they're consistently expecting this defense to be as good as it was, uh, it, that's probably mm-hmm. kidding themselves. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to be mean, but with no Jordan Harvey, and you're talking about trading Tim uh, Parker, so that means Daniel Her- uh, Henry or uh, Aaron Mond has to take over and step up, both uh, which I think is a step down, um, and you're going to a new system. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's really hard to 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 really put a lot of confidence in. Uh, I will say definitively that they overachieved last year, uh, and uh, my tongue is firmly outside of my mouth, not anywhere in your right <laughs> cheek um they had a negative six expected goal differential last year um they got freaking lucky uh they you know would it seemed like everything went their way especially late in the season when they'd put in bad performances and then like grab a draw or you know sneak out with a win um it's hard to believe that they almost won the western conference i think they were in it till the last week last day of the season, but um, I, I think they're yeah. going to regress this yeah. season. It's, it's hard to see um, them, you know, outperforming their goal differential that much again. So we'll see. All right. Uh, so let's move on to another Cascadia team. One that um, was an MLS cup finalist last year. And that was of course, Seattle um, compared to a lot of the Western conference, which did a ton of retooling and a lot of these teams, very, very heavy on transactions. Um, Seattle been relatively quiet, uh, adding Waylon Francis, Magnus Ikram, um, you know, Alex Roldan, uh, Henbol Abuana as a homegrown. Um, you know, just, uh, yeah, seem pretty content to just wait and see. Uh, there are a couple rumored signings maybe kind of to shore up the back, but uh, Harrison, I know you've got some thoughts on this. Have, have they done enough to, to, to be kind of at that, that, that top of the West? Uh, probably, uh, you know, Le- Nicholas Ladero, as much as, uh, I mean, I even heard on like the Sounders podcast, they talked that they, they kind of shorted him. They're like, Oh, you know, he kind of regressed last year. And I was like, no. Uh, and look, and I think this is kind of probably something that a lot of people are going to say. I've heard Matt Doyle say this. I've heard a lot of really smart people that, uh, I just absolutely 100%, 1000% disagree with. Uh, I think that uh, it's kind of a shame that he wasn't. I mean, I've talked on this podcast that he should have been an MVP candidate. Uh, he just wasn't the guy um, that was necessarily kicking the ball through the back of the net. And I, I think with having tools like expected passing, expected buildup, we can see how good players can be players like Michael Bradley that, you know, I think a lot of times, even myself, I I can see that they're doing things, what they're doing. I can't necessarily ascribe to producing goals. Um, But I think that given these tools, we can kind of see a little bit more clearly their value to the team. And Ladero was beyond a doubt, the most, one of the most valuable players in all of MLS last year, adding to that, um, you know, I think that, you kind of hope that a few of these players comes back a little bit healthy. 
I'm not entirely satisfied with this back line. I think this back line is, is shaky at best. I think Sean Francis is an interesting replacement for Jovan Jones, but ultimately um, it, it's lacking. Uh, to be perfectly honest. I think that they needed to do something to shore up this back line that's aging in terms of uh, Roman Torres and Chad Marshall. Uh, Tony Alfaro is is your is your backup guy, which uh, to be perfectly honest, if you're going to be an MLS Cup contender, that's just flat out unacceptable on so many different levels. Yeah, I'll echo that. And just to put a T on the Ladero thing, uh, you know, he led the league in expected goal chain, as you said, um, you know, and and the key there is expected goal chain just means that you were involved in the play that set up the goal, right? So, you know, he, the second place was Nikolic from Chicago, who obviously ended up kicking most of the, those balls into the net. Um, but Ladero didn't, and people thought he had a down year. Let me, he, this is my favorite stat of the season last year. In the attacking third, Yamil Assad was second in MLS with 649 attempted passes. Number one was Ladero, who had 943 I'm not a mathematologist, but I think that's about 300 more attempts in the attacking third uh, than the second place guy. All right, hang on, hang on a sec. Yeah, hang on a sec. Yeah, that's 300. More. <laughs> <I checked>. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, let me ask you this. Uh, I, I, I think that uh, one of the things that uh, is curious going forward is assuming that they keep the same five-man midfield that served them well last year. And I think they've uh, kind of peddled in a little bit of a diamond in preseason. And uh, as we're recording this, they'll be uh, <clears throat> doing their first um, their first competitive match tonight in CCL. Uh, who is going to go into this this five-man? Like, who, who, who's that starting five? Well, it won't be Dempsey because Dempsey stayed back, I guess. That that was the reports was uh, Dempsey, Roman Torres. Uh, I mean, more, more going uh, Kel- forward, like into MLS, the, the opening season. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's a good question because Jordan Morris, Will Bruin, who starts? You know, you, you now that you have uh, – you've kind of retooled on your outside. You still have some battles to be had on the left wing. Ladero starts on the right wing. You're probably starting some semblance of either Dempsey or somebody else in the middle. Roldan is in the back midfield. I don't know. It's a, it's a, there's a lot of different pieces that could be moved a lot of different ways. And I think that'll be kind of the tactical flexibility will be something uh, and the anonymity of how they're, they're going to deploy that will be um, really interesting. I think you're going to see a lot more MLS teams go towards a 4-4-2 in the coming future, uh, especially with all the five backs in the league. Uh, kind of, you know, Matt Doyle did a little bit of a history in, uh, in uh, formation and tactics uh, on one of the podcasts. I don't even remember which one, whether it was the MLS one or something else. And that was kind of how 442 ended up being how that five back was basically exploited and ended. Uh, during the during the early 90s, late 80s, mm-hmm. which is you know something I had know about previously, and I think that's kind of interesting when you start talking about formation fads and everything. So I think the 442 is something that you're going to see a lot more of in MLS uh, towards the latter part of the uh, stages, and I think that smart coaches like Schmetzer, like uh, you know those in I, I won't necessarily say Greg Vanny, but you know his coaching staff is just absolutely deep with smart smart people uh i i think that you're going to have teams that that start building that way all right 
Moving on. Are we done with Seattle? Yeah, okay. Here we go, Drew. <laughs> we kept it very, very short and respectful. Now we can talk about your Portland Timbers. Um, this is was, it, was that an air horn sound? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good stuff. Um, all right. Brandon Cooch, obviously, is the big story uh, this uh, offseason. The, Car- the Caleb Porter era is over. Uh, Giovanni Savarese uh, is taking over. Uh, we've got a few new pieces sprinkled about uh, the midfield and defense. Uh, but mostly, it's probably your starting 11 is going to be looking mainly the same. Am I right, Drew? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Darlington Nagby is gone um, oh, yeah, to Atlanta. Uh, they brought in. What's his name? <laughs> uh, they brought in Andy Polo, uh, who's probably going to be joining Peru uh, for the World Cup uh, as as the uh, right wing to replace Nagby. Uh, he's, he hasn't looked great in preseason, but given that he's a regular for the Peruvian national team that's going to the World Cup, um, the team is pretty high on him. That's the major. That's really the only major difference you're going to see in the starting lineup. Um, obviously, Fernando Adi missed half the season last year uh, with a mysterious injury. He's back. The team brought in a TAM guy from uh, Serie A, uh, Armenteros, who uh, is going to start on the bench. It looks like, but could challenge Adi. And if it were you know, obviously. Uh, Adi has pushed for a move a few times, so if, if Adi does well enough, then they may move him in the summer, and Armenteros could take that spot over. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, you know this is the same team. This is this is Diego Valeri's team. Uh, he's 31 now, I think, 32 maybe. Uh, so probably on the downhill side of his career. Obviously, last year MVP. Um, they're going to name multiple buildings after him in Portland, I think. So. Uh, it, on the back of Diego Valeri, Diego Chara, these are guys who are not getting any older. Chara is coming off to you know broken foot, so uh, this is probably the beginning of the end for the Timbers. You know, this is probably their last shot under this iteration of the team um, this year. Maybe they have one more year left, um, but but yeah, this this is the team they have. Um, it's you know changes on the edges, but but you're right that it's more or less the same squad. Uh, what about a guy like uh, Cascante? Is he someone that's pushing for the starting spot in that back line, or is it mainly going to be looking like Mabiala still? And, yeah, it'll and be original and Mabiala for sure. I think um, Cascante will be a depth piece. Uh, they are, they do like him, uh, but uh, the, you know, Ridgewell is the captain. He makes he's been awful in preseason. He, he you know, he makes one boneheaded play uh, per game usually. But uh, the coaches seem to like him. I mean, he was a Porter guy, so there's certainly reason to believe that maybe Gio will uh, change that up a bit and be a little more open to um, to switching him out if he does continue to make mistakes. But uh, I I would be very surprised if Cascante gets any starts for reason other than injury. So I'm a little bit curious, being that we have you to kind of pick your brain. The last, um, basically the last iteration, and I guess it's really more of Caleb Porter, because I guess they didn't really replace this, the, the coaching staff more of, it was a replace the head coach. Under Porter, they really didn't play a lot of young players. Is that something, especially with the signings from uh, Timbers 2 that they've made? Do you see that kind of changing? Do you see uh, Jeremy uh, Ibobise uh, get some uh, get some starting minutes this year, more so than what he had last year? Uh, I will, I'm going to answer both those questions with yes, I think there'll be more youth, and no, I don't think uh, Ibobise will see more minutes. Um, 
mostly because they've brought in Armenteros and they already have Audi, who's healthy now. It's hard to see how Bobasi gets those minutes. Um, can, uh, on the other side of that, though, uh, Marco Farfan uh, broke into the 18 and then ultimately started a few games last season. Yeah, he's a, I think he just turned 19. Um, and he's a homegrown guy. And he has been challenging Vitas for the starting left back spot in preseason. It seems like they've gone back and forth a few times. My hunch is that Vitas will start the season there, but uh, uh, Farfan has been really solid. Uh, definitely, I, th- I think he's actually outperformed Vitas. He's just, you know, younger. Um, and so I think there will be more youth. Um, you know, Polo's young. Um, they've signed um, guys like Andres Flores. They brought in Eric Williamson from D.C. Uh, so there's definitely more of a youth movement. Um, that said, they're not going to be starting the season. No, they're, they're depth pieces, which I guess is what you'd expect. But um, there's a movement towards it while at the same time, you know, they're not going to be logging heavy minutes, I think. There's a head yeah. nod at it. Kind of a wink, a wink <laughs> and a nod. <laughs> a wink towards it. All right. So I always actually completely forgot about this uh, on my, on my rundown here and realized uh, that we need to talk about the Los Angeles football club. Um, this is a team that right now is probably most uh, being talked about for not having very many players <laughs> at all. Um, we're, we're about nine to 10 days out on the season. I'm not sure if it's nine or 10 and they are right at 18 players, I believe. Um, what's going on with this team? Do you like what you've seen so far? I mean, I, obviously they're going to bring some people in. We're going to see a, a slew of signings here in the next couple of weeks, I would assume. Uh, but what they've got right now going into week one against Seattle, uh, what, what, what do you think about how this team's going to look? I think that it's really interesting that their midfield is as empty as what it is. If and there's been a, a couple of really good mm-hmm. podcasts with Bob Bradley uh, featuring on it uh, that has just been dynamic. And, and it's been really great to have him back in MLS and speaking again, just because he's just a really charismatic guy. Uh, really knowledgeable. You, you just you, you can really feel um, his passion coming through his audio. And then with that, um, he's talked a lot about having Walker Zimmerman and mm-hmm. uh, Laurent Simon going to basically step up and challenge guys up early in the midfield. And with that, you'd think, and he's talked a, a lot about wanting a strong defensive midfielder, um, unless Omar Gaber, uh, Gaber, I'm probably butchering that and and I'm sincerely apologetic for that. Uh, But unless he steps up in that position, which I'm not sure if he does or not, um, he's really the only one on the roster that I can see having that. I I had, they haven't really been publicizing a lot of their, uh, a lot of their games. A lot of their early games had no stream whatsoever. So I think their front three is really, they don't even have any wing players, right? I mean, really, no. Aaron Kovar. Yeah, I mean, well, Kovar and Kovar being a Seattle player, he's played mostly out wide. He's played a little bit of central midfield, but very little. Um, not enough for me to think that that's where he's going to go. So it, it is really interesting, right? Uh, this is this is a really. Um, I mean, they've got the they've got the top attacking players. They got the back defensive players with Jordan Harvey um, rounding out the, the left back spot. You know, um, we talked about uh, Laurent Simon. 
Walker Zimmerman. They even drafted uh, JL Martino, not the Martino, but uh, the one that's Martino that's going to definitely uh, be a go, uh, piece going forward for them in youth. And then on the right uh, back spot, they got Stephen Bettishore. Um, he's been great for Toronto over the last few years, was very good in Vancouver. And uh, in San Jose, San Jose is still trying to figure out uh, what to do without him uh, like five years later. So yeah, it's really, really weird. I would be, yeah, I would be less worried about, or I'd be more worried about this team if I didn't think they'd put together a really, really good backroom staff. Um, you mentioned Bradley, obviously a guy I really, really admire and like a lot uh, on their system bench is Mark Dos Santos. So I assume that there is there is a plan. Um, and I just think that maybe it's taken a little bit longer to put together than they would have hoped. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see what this team looks like kind of top heavy. So not knowing half the team, or what half the team's going to be, I want you guys to go ahead and make wild predictions uh, about where they're going to finish in the league. I don't think they're a playoff team. No, I, I definitely don't either. Um, okay. I, it's hard to say. I mean, they literally they don't really have a wing player on the roster that can start. Um, I say that they um, will win MLS Cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, you got Benny Philharbor, who's going to be in the mid- central midfield. I don't want to leave him out. I know someone's going to scream at us. Uh, but Philharbor obviously already showed signs of deterioration in, San- in uh, sporting, who where he had to cover a lot of ground. And then you're going to move him to this team that basically has no one filling that position, and he's going to have to cover more. Uh, I, I just feel, see that as a recipe for disaster. And that's assuming he doesn't play the 10, which, I mean, he could. Uh, but then that leaves more question marks in that central midfield. And I think they'll get run over, to be quite free, uh, quite honest. Well, and let's not forget, I mean, they do have some players that have played in these wide positions. Maybe it's not their best place, but I feel like we've seen Latif Blessing out wide a little bit last year. We've seen Arena play there occasionally. Carlos Vela, um, you know. Yeah, Vela is somebody else I think that you might see out there. I don't really know, but Diego Rossi seems like a guy that might have spent some time there too. I'm sure that it's not going to be guys that have never sat there before in their lives kind of uh, you know, going out against Seattle on the first first day of the season. Um, but I'm going to go between MLS Cup winner and not making the playoffs and say that they barely make the playoffs with a negative <laughs> goal differential, thus <laughs> erasing Santa, uh, most famous claim to fame. Um, all right, guys, that was our Western Conference preview. Uh, I want to thank Harrison and Drew for joining me. Thank you both so much. That was a lot of fun. Um, you can find... Thanks, Ian. It was really a pleasure being on with you. Uh, it was always nice to hear your voice, and uh, you're a really great guy. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, Drew, where can people find you on Twitter.com? Uh, at Drew J. Olson. All right, and it's a really good follow if you like to read about the Portland Timbers and um, sarcastic thoughts about teams he doesn't like. Uh, you can find my co-host Harrison Crow at Harrison underscore Crow, um, and uh, he ha- will be tweeting lots of interesting stats about Major League Soccer teams and also thoughts that I suspect are subtweets to me. Yes. Um, you can find the American Soccer Analysis at Analysis Evolved. Uh, that's, you know, probably, in my opinion, the best soccer account to follow on Twitter, period. 
Uh, what about Total and, MLS? Uh, that one's pretty good. It's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, and I'll be doing uh, match day commentary and gifts uh, this season for that as well. So you can find me there or uh, at the 16th dot for my personal thing, uh, which I would not recommend following. Uh, and, and go to AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. We're previewing every team in MLS. We're half, halfway done um, and finishing up uh, next Thursday with LAFC. So uh, give them a read. There have been some good ones. Yes, I was I was going to say that, but, but Drew said it. So we're good to go. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, and until then, have a wonderful weekend and uh, enjoy the soccer.